Colossians chapter number 3. And uh, I've titled the message tonight, The Not-So-Secret Secret to a Thankful Heart. The Not-So-Secret Secret to a Thankful Heart. In essence, there's, there's an obvious, it's there on the pages of Scripture in front of us to help us in this area of having a thankful heart. And I believe, I believe with all of my heart that God is calling us today, God's calling us, calling His people to be thankful people. In short, what does it mean to be thankful well, it means to be full of thanks. That's pretty deep, isn't it? You don't need a theology degree to figure that out. Just be full of thanks. God would expect us. We say, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. You're right, I don't. And nor do you know what's going on in mine. But we have Scripture today, and Scripture is just as relevant today as it was when it was inspired and penned. And God calls us to be thankful. Amen. Just by way of introduction, in, in Romans chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church of Rome and he condemns the, the pride of the, of the wicked man and, the, and, and, and his opening statements. And, and again, Holy Ghost inspired. He, he condemns them for uh, just really because of just a, there's a slew of wickedness. And in the, in the midst of that, I think, I think we find a foundational sin or a root sin of unthankfulness. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And if you read that chapter, if you know anything about that chapter, as you continue on, it just gets worse and worse, to the point where God turns them over to a reprobate mind. So from that, from that text, we could, we could uh, surmise that to be thankful or to be thankless, it really is an indicator of our heart and our walk with God. If we are thankful or we are thankless, it's an indication of what's going on in our hearts. Again, in Paul's uh, Holy Ghost-inspired letter to Timothy, he warns of the thankless. And hold your place there in Colossians and go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 3. The pastor preached on this this uh, uh, July 2nd for the, um, the uh, fireworks, con- uh, the gospel concert. And uh, when he preached on this, it, it, this is when the Lord kind of just planted this message in my heart in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Look at verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Here it is, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good. Again, we, we, it just continues to go on. And we see here in, in Paul's letter that he, he, he warns Timothy of the, of the thankless heart in the end times and the, and the kindred spirits that often follow unthankfulness. We could surmise from, from that text there that being unthankful is an indicator of the last days. That word unthankful, it's a negative particle, and it, it just simply means thankless or ungrateful. Again, we're getting really deep tonight, aren't we? Unthankful. Now, 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 just, just weigh, weigh the sobriety of the two passages that we just read in, uh, of Romans chapter number 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this, this, uh, this idea, this, this reality of unthankfulness. And I, and I think it's incumbent upon us to examine ourselves. 
And really ask ourselves, do, do we find ourselves being unthankful? And, and, and I recognize, as, even as Pastor was preaching this message out of 2 Timothy, and I thought, what a, what a wonderful message. What a timely message. You know, we had so many visitors on property. And uh, I, I'm, I, listen, folks, I'm just going to tell you, I, am th- I don't get a raise for this. I promise you, I do not get a raise for this. I'm just thankful for our pastor that preaches the word of God. I mean, we had visitors in here, and, and there might be a tendency to, to kind of fluff them up and to kind of uh, make, them, make them love it so much or they'll want to come back and try to uh, give them some flowery words. No, no, not with our pastor. He preaches the Word of God in truth and grace, okay, in truth and love, right? He didn't do it in, in, a, in a mean spirit. But he told them very plainly, we're living in the last days. Perilous times are coming. We need to be prepared. And when we think of the sobriety of these two texts in Romans chapter 1 and all that's involved in Romans chapter 1, again, if you know your Bible, and 2 Timothy chapter 3, again, we see some, some similar sins here in, in the end times. We have to recognize that, that you know, God is not willing that they should perish. I know there are times, sometimes I, I find myself in a, you know, should I pray for the rapture? Should I, should I long for the rapture? And there's a part of me that longs for it, to leave this sin-cursed world. To not have to deal with the, the sin and the shame and the guilt and not have to deal with the, the wickedness. There's a desire to want to leave. But then I think about, wait a minute, we have family and friends. And they haven't trusted Christ yet. And so it creates, it creates a sense of urgency. But in, in, in many times, and sometimes we're asking, God, please be long-suffering. Lord, be patient. And we think about it, God, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, nor not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Could, could, it be today, could it be today that God is calling us to be full of thanks? Could it be that as, as we, as you and I today, as we live with an attitude of gratitude, as we live with a thankful heart, could it be that God uses us in the lives of someone else to come to know the truth of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Just by simply having a thankful heart? The indication is unthankfulness. There's, there's, there's so much wickedness that goes around it. Well, the contrast would be that if, we, if you and I can understand and get, get a hold of this truth and live it out day by day, having a thankful heart, it could make a difference. It, I might say it like this. It might stem the tide a little bit. And, I, and I, think it, I think it's incumbent upon us that we examine ourselves tonight here in midweek service. After you've, to, after you've worked a long day, we all have. But I think God has something for us today. I've never done this before. I, I've read these verses probably five times in preparation. I have a whole slew of verses that I'm going to read. And you, you may have a tendency to tune me out. But can, 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 I, can I beg of you to just listen to the words that I'm going to read? I'm going to read a, a, a lot of verses. I... I, I, I Careful not to read too fast. I want to make sure that we give time to the Scripture. But I, want, I really want this to dig into my heart the way, the way it has in my heart already. In Psalm 100, verse number 4, the Bible says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. I just cannot get away from this statement from Brother Charles Keene that God reveals himself to the world through his word, 
through the Bible and through believers. And I'm, I'm convicted of this, of this thought that sometimes I have not been a, big, a good revelator of the Lord. Because maybe I just haven't been as thankful as I need to be. I want you to listen to these verses. Colossians 3.15, and be ye thankful. 2 Samuel 22.50, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. 1 Chronicles 16.8, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. 1 Chronicles 16.34, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 35, And say ye, save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise. Second Chronicles 31.2, Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses. The end of the verse here says, To give thanks and to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. Ezra chapter 3, verse number 11, And they sang together by course, in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, his mercy endureth forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Nehemiah 12.24 And Nehemiah saying some things in order, brethren against them, to praise and to give thanks, according to the commandment of David, the man of God. Chapter 12, verse 31. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them, that gave thanks. Verse number 40. So stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I and the half of the rulers with me. Psalm 6, verse number 5. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Psalm eighteen forty nine. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Verse 30, chapter 30, verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. 30, verse 12. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee, and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. 35, 18. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. 75, 1. A psalm or song of Asaph. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks, for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. Psalm seventy nine thirteen. So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Are you getting the idea that God has a lot to say about thanks? Amen. Psalm 97, 12. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. 105.1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. 106.1, praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, 106.47, save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to, thy triumph in thy, and to triumph in thy praise. 107 verse 1, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. One eighteen one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 118.29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. You know how it ends. For his mercy endureth forever. One nineteen sixty two. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee, because of thy righteous judgments. One twenty two four. Uh, the tribes are going to go up to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. One thirty six one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. 
for his mercy endureth forever. 136.2, O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks, verse 3, O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks, verse 26, O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. And as many times as I read through this in preparation, I was reminded of 1 John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous, surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave what? Gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Our Lord gave us an example. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 36, he took the seven loaves and fishes and gave thanks. Mark chapter 8, verse number 6, he commanded the people to sit down and he took lo- seven loaves, gave thanks. Luke 22, verse 17, he took the cup when he instituted the Lord's Supper and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Verse 19 of the uh, same chapter, Luke 22, he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So, how is it that Christ, in this, in this moment of recognizing that for the first time in all, forever, he's going to be separated from God, that he, he who knew no sin is going to become sin? How is it that he could have a thankful heart? There, there's a cynic inside of us that says, Well, of course he could do it because he's God. There's, of course he can do it because he knew he would rise from the, from the, from the dead. And for, it's, for the cynic says, well, of course God can do it, but it's not the same situation for me because I'm not God and I'm not going to rise from the dead. Oh, will you not? Aren't you not a believer? We will rise from the dead. This, 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 is, this is temporal. This is not eternal. We have an eternal home. We do have something to be thankful for, even in the midst of great sorrow. And I'm not trying to belittle our sorrow. I'm not trying to belittle the pain and the heartache that we go through and the fears of the health phone calls and the fears of, of not knowing where our children are doing and who they're with and all, all those things. I'm just simply saying to you that we can be thankful. Christ gave us a wonderful example, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which, causes, which also causes us to triumph in Christ. Eight, eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 16, But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Ephesians chapter 1, We cease not to give thanks for you. Ephesians 5 and verse 3 and verse 4, Paul's talking about some things to, to get away from, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness. Let not once be named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient. There's a contrast here, but rather giving of thanks. Chapter 5, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Chapter 3, verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, we give thanks to God always for you. We're getting to Revelation pretty soon, just hang tight. We give thanks to God always for you all. 
Making mention of you all. And listen, I'm not just saying this is one simple idea that we're saying some 50 some times. Each one of these situations is a different situation. There's a cynic inside of us that says, I can't be thankful because of what's going on to me. I can't be thankful because how things are happening to me, what so-and-so has done to me, how things have fallen out at work, how things are affecting my family. You just don't understand. And I'm just simply saying to you, I'm not just reading this because I did a, a word search and I found every, every verse that had thank you because we didn't do them all. Each one represents a different situation. And God has a, has, has a burning desire that his children would be known as thankful children. In everything, give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.1 I exhort you therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Hebrews 13.5 By him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Revelation eleven seventeen, saying we give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. God would have us to thank him and to praise him. I have more verses here. Daniel chapter 2, verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Romans 7, 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I thank my God always on your behalf. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. For this cause also we thank God, uh, we thank God without ceasing, 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we are bound to thank God always for you. 1 Timothy 1.12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Philemon 1.4, I thank my God, making mention of the always in my prayers. Can you, can you agree with me tonight? Will you agree with me tonight in the admonition that we got from, from God's holy word that we are called to be full of thanks? Have, 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 we, have we established that truth here tonight? In, in these last, I think that took us up every bit about nine minutes. God's children, above all others, as an indication of our heart, and, and as a representative of the Lord, we should be thankful. So what's the not-so-secret secret to a thankful heart? One of the commentators I, I read, I forgot to, get, to attribute the name, I apologize, if there is a besetting sin among God's people, it is that of a lack of genuine thanksgiving for God's manifold goodness to us. God calls us to be people that are thankful. In Colossians chapter 3, we, we recognize that the, the book of Colossians, it, it's written from the Apostle Paul. It's written uh, under inspiration of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. While Paul is in, is in uh, house arrest there in Rome, it's, it's included in the, the prison epistles. 
You imagine one night there's, there's four, four carriers leaving, leaving that area there in Rome, and they're, they're heading out, they're heading back home. One of them is Tychicus. He's heading to the, to the Ephesians. He has a letter to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus. Epaphroditus, he has a letter from Paul that's going to the Philippians, the church there at Philippi. Epaphras, is, he, he's going to Colossians, the, the church there at Colossae. Onesimus, even pastors preaching on this and, and, and Philemon. Onesimus, has, he, he's carrying a personal letter from the Apostle Paul on his, on his behalf to give to Philemon, who is also a member of the church at Colossae. And in many of Paul's writings, he's, he's, addressing, he's, he's addressing concerns. He's, he's addressing uh, uh, you know, uh, church polity. He's, he's addressing there, there's some false teaching. There's some heresy that's creeping in. And he, he addresses those things under inspiration of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. And I, and, I, and I just can't, I, I just, as I was preparing my notes, I, I got a little bit excited thinking about it, to be quite honest with you. I think about, here we go again, as Paul is writing the, the, the letter here to the church of, of Colossae, he's, he's writing this letter, and the devil loses again. You say, what do you mean? Well, the devil thought that when, he, when Jesus died on the cross, he thought he had won. And three days later, we know what happened. He rose from the dead. That, that, that New Testament church that Jesus founded... That New Testament church that was, that was already established in Acts chapter 2, it says they added unto them. You can't add to something that doesn't exist. That church is already established. There, there, there he is. There he is. That New Testament church is being persecuted. And the devil thinks he won. And through that persecution, the gospel spreads forth. Here's the Apostle Paul who's persecuting the believers. Here's the Apostle Paul. And now, and, and, and now the devil has him in, in house arrest. And he thinks he's, he's got one over and again. And God allows Paul to write four prison epistles to the New Testament churches and also to us. What a great encouragement that we find in this letter. At the heart of this letter, Paul reveals a, a not-so-secret secret to a thankful heart. Look with me at verse number 1 of chapter 3. Verse number 1 of chapter number 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Number one, seek and set. Seek and set. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on, on things above. Now think about this. It says here, seek the things above where, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Is that really such a bad uh, 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 proposal here? That Paul, would, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would, would admonish us to seek, seek things above where Christ is? That same blessed Lord that died on the cross to pay for our sins? That same blessed Lord that, that took the mocking, that took the scourging? That same blessed Lord that had his beard pulled out? That same blessed Lord that, that, that died and rose again? Is that such a bad thing that we would seek things where he is? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus himself would say it like this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You're there in Colossians 3. Look over chapter 1. Look at verse number 18. Paul writes the letter here in, 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 uh, in response to Epaphras. He, he, he comes to Paul. And, you know, there's different opinions. Some things he traveled to, to, to visit with Paul. Some think he was under house arrest with Paul. Either way, he, he, talks to, he has a conversation with Paul, and he lets him know some things are going on in the church. Paul, we have, we have people that are attacking the deity of Christ. 
We have people that are encouraging people to worship angels. We are people getting stuck in this mysticism. We are people getting, they're, they're, they're appealing to philosophy. And so Paul writes this letter in, in, in response. In essence, in essence, putting Christ in the proper place where he, where he belongs. Look at verse number 18. For he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn, from the dead, that in all things he might have the what? The preeminence. You see, for the longest time, I thought about preeminence, and I thought, well, that means, yeah, that, means that God is first. Well, that's really not that, what that means. Preeminence means that Christ is at the center. He's at the hub. He's not first in my... Because it's easy. If, it, if he's the first at work, I do a devotion at work, and I go about my day at work, and I'm done. I, did, I already did the Christ thing. I did that this morning. If he's first in the family, we did that with family devotions. That was first. No, he's to be preeminent. That means he wants, he, he wants to be on your, on your heart and on your mind throughout the day at work. Not just at the beginning of work. Listen, I'm talking about when you're making a decision about inventory and the boss wants you to fudge the numbers. Christ wants to be the preeminence. That's the difference in the Christian life. He wants, he wants to be the preeminence. He wants to be at the center. He wants to be at the hub. I, I, again, we're, we're admonished to seek, seek those things which are above. Secondly, we find here, set our affection on things above. Set our affections toward, toward, towards, towards where we're going to be. We're not just, we're not just down here temporally, forever, excuse me. This is just temporary. We're to set our affection on things above. This world is not our home. We're, we're to focus on that which is eternal. Hebrews eleven sixteen said like this, that they desire a better country that is in heavenly. That word affection, it just simply means a desire of the heart and the mind. That's why I love Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. That's talking about the music of my heart. It's not talking about transcendental meditation. That's not what it's talking about. That's the rhythm of our heart. God made us to have a rhythm. And, and God, God says here in Psalm 19, uh, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Well, what is it that, that gets you going? What is it that, 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 that put, puts, a, uh, puts a, a, a pep in your step? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We need to set and to seek. We need to set, seek those things which are above and set our affection on things above. Notice here, as you read through the, the book of uh, Colossians, you'll notice that Paul uses the personal pronouns uh, you know, almost exclusively. That gives the inclination that while he is writing a letter to the whole, the challenge is to the individual. He's writing a letter to the whole, but the challenge is to the individual. This letter, I, 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 need, I, need, to, I need to think, I need to take this to me. I don't know how you are. Sometimes if things are a little hectic, I, I, I'll sit down and think. So I, I may need to, for just a moment... For just a moment, I may need to sit down and think. I apologize. Who's over there here? Not that I'm anything special, but this would be rude if you didn't see me. I need to think about it for a second. If God has called me to seek Him and to set my affection on things above, maybe I should ask myself, remember, it's not wise to compare ourselves one with another. Paul said that's foolish. Don't do that. That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe I should ask myself, what if everybody at Cleveland Baptist Church read their Bible just as much as I read my Bible? How, how biblically strong 
solid would the Cleveland Baptist Church be? What if... I, I, really, I'm, I don't like this thinking. I've got to sit back now. And What if everybody at the Cleveland Baptist Church prayed as much as I prayed? Would we be known as a praying church? Well... That day I got busy. I mean, it's summertime. I stayed up late with the kids. God's certainly not mad about that. I don't think he is. But did I even say anything to him before I left the house? The one that saved me? It's overwhelming to think about it. The one that without him... I wouldn't even have a family. You see, you want to understand what God did in my heart. When he brought me back into fellowship, I didn't just get a right relationship with him. My fellowship was restored with my parents. I got a wife, kids. My soul, did I leave and not say thank you. What if, what if everybody at Cleveland Baptist Church, seeking its setting, folks, is what we're talking about. What if everybody at Cleveland Baptist Church gave willingly as I give? We, we, we could go on. For sake of time, I won't. But what, what if everybody served Not showed up to serve. I'm talking about your heart while you're serving. Because there is a difference. You know that, right? There's a difference of showing up and serving because, well, I have to. We've always done it. I got stuck in the children's department. It's been 17 years and I can't get out of there. Here I am. Oh, that, that, that would never happen here. I, come on. What, what, what if everybody... What if everybody served with the same heart that I served with? I'm telling you, it's a convicting message. I believe that God's calling us to be thankful. I think if we follow the path here, if we see the progression here, if you and I will recognize the the importance and the functionality of seeking and setting, we'll begin to recognize that we 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 can be thankful. I'm trying to get to the heart of gratitude. As a result of seeking and setting, this leads to the next verses. We don't have time to read verses 5 through verse number 14. I think in this group, you have probably heard this preached many times. Maybe you haven't, so let me just give a quick helicopter view over it. But in verses 5 through verse number 14, we learned the biblical principle of put off and put on. There are some things in the Christian life that God calls us to mortify, to destroy and, 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 and if I, the, the result of me seeking and setting will lead me to this next place of putting off and put on. It's the natural progression. What I'm saying is, if I don't seek and save, I'll never put off and put on. Excuse me. If I don't seek and set, I'll never put off and put on. Because I seek and set, it's a natural progression as a result of seeking and setting my affection on things above. It's a natural progression that I would want to get some things out of my life. Some things from the old man. 
some things from the old nature, some things that feed my flesh, some things that draw me away from the things of God. And that's a natural progression. I should say a spiritually natural progression. Excuse me. To put off and to put on. Just simply means to stop and start. I mean, this isn't rocket science here, folks. It's just stop doing that which is bad and start doing that which is right. One commentator put it like this, and he's not talking about your, 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 these earthly clothes. He's talking about your righteous garments. He put it like this, just put on your church clothes every day. It talks about putting on the things in the Christian life, and he called them your church clothes. He's not talking about a suit and tie and a dress. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the righteous garments that you and I gained when we accepted Christ as our Savior, that we would put those on, forbearing and forgiving, These are words that end in I-N-G. They indicate a present tense active, meaning that I'm going to have to continue this process. This is not a one and done. This is not a set it and forget it. We don't just get to put this in the microwave and wait and ding and it's done. This is an ongoing process in the Christian life. I would say it's the joy of the Christian life, of getting to know God and getting to know God's people. Forbearing and forgiving. I jot down in my notes... Unforgiveness and unthankfulness, they're birds of the same feather. They flock together. Unforgiveness and unthankfulness. Remember, remember the warning. Remember the context. Romans 1 and uh, 2 Timothy 3, when we think about unthankfulness. So we have to be careful about that unforgiving heart. As a result of putting off and putting on, uh, there will be some evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And we see this. Look with me in verse number 14. And again, you can do a personal study on verses 5 through 14. Lots of stuff there. Again, it's it's not deep. It's just there's good and bad. Stop the bad and start the good. I I, I apologize. I'm not trying to minimize it. Please understand. I'm I'm not trying to be cute or anything like that. I'm not. Just for sake of time, we can't. Look at verse number 14. And above all these, above all these things, put on charity, that's love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. There we are. There's the not-so-secret secret to having a thankful heart. It's right there in black and white. Set, seek and set. Put off and put on. And let, let, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That word let, it, ju- it just simply means, it, it means to rule. And uh, one commentator used the example of an umpire. I don't know how you feel about umpires or refs. Could be an indication of your heart, I guess. It doesn't matter how much you think they got it wrong. You don't have the whistle. You don't have the authority to make the call. Can I say it like this? It doesn't matter how unfair it is. It's not your call to make. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. God has authority to bring peace in your life. How about we just stop fighting it? How about we just stop arguing? How about we just stop resisting against it? In Lockyer's Doctrines of the Bible, he, he wrote this about peace. Peace with God means peace above us. Peace of God means peace within us. Peace from God means peace around us. The Father decreed priests. 
The Son purchased peace. The Spirit applies peace. You're here in Colossians. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7. Actually, we'll read verse 6 and verse 7. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. Look within verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Back in Colossians 3.15, he ends this thought with this, with this powerful phrase, and be ye thankful. I looked at the phrase, be ye, it's a um, prolongation and middle voice from a primary verb. If you don't know what that means, see Pam Brown. It means to become. It means, it, it, it means, it means to cause to be. No, no offense, nothing meant against English. I happen to like math. That's how my mind works. A plus B equals C. Set and seek plus put off and put on equals peace and thankfulness. It's right there. Not only does Paul show us the secret of a thankful heart, but he also shows how to maintain it very quickly. He says here, be ye thankful. Thankfulness is not something that can be manufactured. It is something that must be cultivated. Look, look, number one, look here, number, number, verse number 16. Here, here's, here's the secret uh, to, to, to continue in thankfulness. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That'll help us to maintain an attitude of thankfulness. It'll help us to maintain a heart of thankfulness if we'll keep ourselves in the truth of God's word. If we will say and do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, verse number 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And here's the last PS. Chapter 4, look at verse number 2. If you and I are going are to maintain a life of thankfulness. We're going to have to let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts. We're going to have to say and do everything in the name of Christ. Number three, we must, we must continue in prayer. Look at verse number two. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. This is not something I can manufacture by my own manipulations or motives. It's cultivated by the Holy Spirit. That's our theme this year, by my spirit. It's cultivated by the Holy Spirit in me and through me each and every day. John Phillips in his commentary wrote this, The thankful heart, the heart that can always find something for which to praise God, has little to fear from its foes. So why don't we do that tonight? Why don't, why don't we just thank God? As we close in prayer, we recognize James chapter 4 verse number 17 says, Therefore to him that doeth the good, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and do it and not, to him it is what? Sin. I'm just simply saying on the authority of Scripture, if we don't have a thankful heart, with all the love in my heart, as one has, has, has been confronted with Scripture my own, in my own, my own heart, if we don't have a thankful heart, that means we have a sinful heart. So why don't we do that tonight? Why don't we, for the next few minutes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking maybe... Three, three minutes. I, I encourage you, if you've never done this before, don't, don't get into all your deep and, 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 private, and private conversations with the Lord. Save that for when you talk with the Lord. But find someone to pray with. It doesn't have to be a stranger. Pray with your spouse. 
If you're a man, find another man that's, that's nearby and say, hey, can, can we pray together? If you're a lady, find another lady nearby and say, hey, can, can we pray together? If, if you're more comfortable praying by yourself, that's totally fine. But what I'd like to do for the next, for the next two minutes, next three minutes, is for us to, to, to pray together. And maybe, maybe we ask God to forgive us for not being thankful. Remember that deep theological statement we started with? For not being full of thanks. Maybe, maybe we take this time to pray together and just praise Him. And just thank Him. Thank Him for who He is. He's our Savior. He loves us with an, with an, with an undying love. Maybe, maybe we just thank Him for what He has done, for what He's doing, and for what He's going to do. Maybe tonight, in this next three minutes, we commit to tell each other. We commit to tell anyone else who will listen just how good our God is. That we, we make a commitment. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go to work tomorrow with a thankful heart. Well, you don't know my boss. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It could be bad. I'm not trying to make light of it. But I know your Savior. I know the book that he gave you. God will never command you to do something that he will not enable you to do. I'm telling you by the authority of Scripture, you can, I can. You should see the people I have to work with. You can be thankful if you allow God to do that work in your heart. So why don't we do that? Let's go into an attitude of prayer for the next three minutes. Just an attitude of prayer right there in your seat. Find somebody. If you want to pray together, that's fine. Attitude of prayer. And then I'll come up and uh, say uh, a closing prayer. And then we're going to sing a hymn together. Uh, Brother Mike's going to come up after we get done with that. And we'll sing a hymn together.